The Lord be with you and also with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered Easter worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR.90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which you are also being saved if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On, con on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Through it was not I, but the grace of God that is in with me. Whether then it was I or they, so they will proclaim you, and so you have come to believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 118 with the antiphon. to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my power. The Lord has become my salvation. There are joyous songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me sorely, but has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now let us joyfully stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Sabbath was over, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, 
When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. God is love and love is benevolence and benevolence is goodwill toward others. The disposition one has who desires and delights in another's good. Whence benevolence? How in a sprawling, violent creation, 15 billion years in the making, and emerging within it, life through natural selection by random mutation, leaving for the devil the hindmost. How did benevole, goodwill, emerge? And in our current condition, our very world, in which a pilot takes his own life, but also 148 others. A young man exchanges video games in Minneapolis for firearms in Syria. Drugged and drugging, drugging young adults threaten the safety of our police women and men. The scourges of bigotry by race or orientation continue to shadow our landscape and even our pews. And in our very neighborhood and in our own time, some two years ago, a strapping young man puts together a homemade bomb and places it next to an innocent eight-year-old boy. In a world in which homo homini lupus, man is a wolf to man, seems to be our default reality, and particularly our cyber default reality. Whence? Benevolence. I wonder. And then comes Easter morning and the privilege of ascending a fine pulpit and here to speak about God in about 20 minutes and about 
the mystery of resurrection and the promise of Easter and the hope of heaven and the durability of love over against such a world. We are going to need a double realism, cross and resurrection. We're going to need a dual realism, cross and resurrection, for our very future. I wonder how to speak. And then along comes a nudge. Tuesday morning, I pass the television. I wish I had a notebook. And the interviewer says, and you are, yes, giving, yes, your kidney, yes, to a woman, yes, to a woman you don't know, yes, you are giving your kidney to a woman you don't know, yes, why? Well, it was the way uh, I was raised, and it's what we're trying to do in our community and family, and I tell my two sons they ought to do good to others, and I also thought maybe they'd like to see an example of that. So they asked, and I gave. And Easter comes along. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. But whence benevolence? This morning, in earshot of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in the 15th chapter and the first verse, we shall identify three sources, origins of benevolence. Benevolence is goodwill to others. The disposition one has who desires and delights in another's good have you that disposition. One such source is tradition or our inheritance, we could say that, which we receive. Paul recounts here what he has received, and we all have received something. Something we hope that cradles and honors the good in and around us, and so is a source of benevolence. But notice the tradition in which Paul stands, and so we. It's a very stark, dark, full of bark tradition. It's real. It's the resurrection accounts of Peter and Paul and Mary. Who, Peter, can you hear the rooster now? Before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times in the gospel narrative. And Paul, who today tells us again that he is unfit to be called an apostle, for he persecuted the church. And Mary, in John's gospel, awaiting her Lord, her ever-brilliant witness to his presence, is forever clothed in ignorance, blindness, mistaking him for the gardener. Maybe this is why sometimes we have a hard time coming to church, because in church we see and hear what we already know full well in our own life about cowardice, cowardice, that's Peter, about falsehood, that's Paul, about blindness, that's Mary. This year we look at the epistle at Paul. Notice the differences between his rendering of resurrection and that of Mark. There are many ways of keeping faith, and there's more than one way to preach resurrection. So, Paul, didactic, Mark, narrative, Paul, theological, Mark, spiritual, Paul, a list of men, Mark, a gathering of women, Paul, resurrection is presence, Mark, resurrection is absence, Paul, appearance, 
mark disappearance. He is risen. He is not here. There's more than one way in our traditions to tell the story, to acclaim the gospel of Easter. Through it we hear the rooster crowing at the break of dawn and all the way and all the way. Our traditions are not life itself. We love our traditions here. Scripture, sermon, hymn, communion, gathering, all very important, but they are not life. The traditions need to be translated into insights for effective living for them to become life. They are silver and china. They are not meat and milk. They tell us in the examples of others whence benevolence. You know, Richard III was reburied after 500 years. His spine still curled and his skull still crushed and his story still still sordid. And the English press wanted to know why they would bury him out of a good Anglican cathedral. Well, our response would be, where else would you take him? Where else is sturdy enough? with a tradition dark enough and stark enough and with bark enough to carry forward. Yours is. Elsewhere, where would you take him? Stonehenge, the seaside, the Lake District, Dover Cliffs? Nowhere near enough sand. Nowhere near enough sand anywhere else. This is your opening origin of benevolence upon which a real life, yours, can over time truly be based. We have had the privilege over time of working with such benevolent women and men of all ages and stages. Some time ago, Jan and I witnessed the gift, a major gift to a church we love. And Jan said to me, well, that's a king's ransom. That's a fortune. I wouldn't know what to do with that. I wouldn't know how to feel about that. I wouldn't know how to consider that. I wouldn't know how to decide about that. And I smiled and said what you might have said, which was, just look at the bright side, honey. You married me. You'll never have to worry about that. (laughs) But you know, that's not quite the full truth, is it? We all have something in our inheritance. Maybe not a kidney and maybe not a king's ransom, but we have, you have, your most important possession every day to offer your time. Whence benevolence from tradition that empowers benevolence, from inheritance that empowers benevolence. Whence benevolence second from church. Now I could have used a broader term, society, culture, community, family, relationship, but then we wouldn't be talking straight and also I wouldn't have interpreted Paul because his word today is not koinonia, it's ecclesia. It's not fellowship, it's church. Benevolence arises up across the spectrum of this violent world in the life of the church, right here. Here is a place where children can be greeted at birth with joy and musical grace. Here is a place where young adults, 20-year-olds, can grow and continue to mature unfinished. You're not finished at age 20. You're not finished at age 60. 
But here we can, as was said in our family, somebody let you grow up. Here, right here, you can experience meaning, belonging, and empowerment. I'm not smart enough, and I'm not strong enough, and I'm not sensible enough to live the life of faith alone. I need the ecclesia of which Paul speaks. Do you notice the names he gives? Peter and the Twelve and Five Hundred and James and the Apostles. The benevolent community swirling together. Oh, my friend told me about starlings. If you go, you can see this on the internet. They swirl together, hundreds of them together in a cone, a cyclone, a spiral like our friend Dean Ray Hart's fine book in the hermeneutical spiral in Unfinished Man in the Imagination. These birds are together, why, in that beautiful cyclone? For protection. Alone, they are prey to predators. Not One alone is not strong enough, smart enough, sensible enough. But together they make that murmuration, that concerted cohort of beauty, which is in a way, our church at its very best. My conversation with my father, speaking of the church, goes on after his death five years ago through his library. He was taught here at Boston University by Alan, A-L-L-A-N, Knight Chalmers, to read a book a day to prepare to preach. And many of them did, so he has a significant, musty library, which I visit, taking a tome, reading a passage, noting his underlining, following his notes. But there's one book I haven't yet picked up. It's today's gospel. It's a book about benevolence, arguing that over time in Christ, we ought to learn a way to support the goals and the missions, if they are worthy of others, including and especially others whom we don't quite always feel comfortable, happy, and pleasant to be around. I know that benevolence is the disposition of one who desires and delights in another's good, but I know I have some work to do as well. You think for a minute, just for a minute, in your church life of someone who desired and delighted in your own good. Benevolence, whence benevolence? Ecclesia. The church embodies benevolence as the starlings swirl. Whence benevolence? Our very experience as well. Our experience exemplifies benevolence. It can happen to you in church. It can happen to the minister in church. Two Sundays ago, the sermon quoted Jonathan Edwards from this very pulpit, 1745. What did he say? He said, benevolence is goodwill to others, a disposition uh, in which one desires and delights in another's good. And the preacher was, moi. And the sentence went out and came back like a ricochet and an Australian boomerang and hit me as the meaning of resurrection faith. It can happen in your own lived experience. Some years ago, a neighboring minister, very accomplished, very talented, gracious person, came to visit. He'd been through 
many cycles in his time of vision and mission and plan and goal, and then another set of vision and mission and plan and goal, and then another set of vision and mission and plan and goal, and said, this time I'm going to try something different. He said, I'm going to go to some of the people I know and care about and ask, what's your current mission? How can I help you? And so he asked, how can I help you? It took my breath away. I responded to some degree, but in another way, I haven't fully responded yet. As if someone were to say, maybe she or him. I've written enough books. Maybe I could help you with yours. I've earned enough degrees. Maybe I could help you with yours. I've built enough companies. Maybe I could help you with yours. I've grown enough churches. Maybe I could help you with yours. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I can feel the promise of it, and I can see the horizon and landscape and beachhead of such a gift of benevolence. We learn about benevolence in our own experience. Think for a minute of an event in which, or a moment at which, you personally, with your full heart, had that disposition. You desired and you delighted in another's good. At birth, in the eighth inning of a Little League game, at the conclusion of a college concert, in the moment of the exchange of marriage vows, in the depths of friendship and love and care, in the conclusion of a professional life, in the celebration of retirement. Think this Easter morning about a time when your heart was so full of goodwill and a desire and a delight in another's own good. We experience the origin of benevolence in our own existence. My friend Russell Clark, Colgate BU grad, in ministry for many years, a wonderful preacher, but also spent 25 hours a week visiting in his little church in Oriskany Falls. He visited once the widow of his lay leader who had died suddenly, and she, she lived in a sort of a small farm, and he'd go and see her and wondered how she was making out. She said, well, I have days when I hardly want to get out of bed. And he said, but how are you doing? You seem to be all right. Is it helpful to have the scripture or prayer or communion or the church? And she said, oh, I love the traditions and I love the church, but that's not what's helped me this season. And it's been a tough season. What, he asked then? She said, well, don't take this the wrong way, Reverend, but, you know, I have these chickens out back and the sun comes up and as it's coming up, they start to wake up and then they start to putter around and pretty soon they start to cluck and they start to call to me and, well, I just can't lie here. I, I get up and I go down and get dressed and I feed the chickens and then I'm ready to make some coffee and then the day opens and somehow I get by. She said, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but it really was the clucking of those hens. The clucking of those hens meant more to me than all the hymns of Easter. The clucking of those hens meant more to her than all the hymns 
of Easter. Our experience gives us examples of benevolence. You have one life to live. Benevolence is a disposition of one who desires and delights in another's good. You can build a real life starting Easter morning on that single disposition. Sir Corda, lift up your hearts. Hear the good news. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, the marrow of tradition, whence benevolence as the cock crows. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, the body of the church, whence benevolence as the starlings swirl. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, the lived experience of love, whence benevolence as the chickens cluck. Whatever your bird song this very day, take with you the promise of a new resurrected life. For God is love, and love is benevolence, and benevolence is the disposition of one who desires and delights in another's good. The Lord is risen. He is risen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please be seated. We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name 
a name being a holy thing in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We note that following the service today, children and families are invited to participate in our annual Easter egg hunt. Find us out on the lawn next to the chapel following the service. Our... um, our service of resurrection today and, our, and the spirit of resurrection you're experiencing, we hope will inspire in you a spirit of generosity as well. We rely on your generosity for our ministry on this campus and throughout the city and hope that you will give generously as the ushers wait upon us. We invite you to meditate on Charles Stanford's setting, Ye Choirs of New Jerusalem. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
the work before us, for the life within us, for the fellowship among us, for thy love that surrounds us, we give thee thanks and praise. Bless these gifts and the givers we ask this Easter morning. Amen. Beloved, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we extend signs of his peace to others. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit by your great mercy we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading once we were no people but now we are your people declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast. Alleluia.
Most bountiful God, we give you thanks for the world you have created, for the gift of life, and for giving yourself to us in Jesus Christ, whose holy life, suffering, and death, and glorious resurrection have delivered us from slavery to sin and death. We thank you that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you have fed us in this sacrament, united us with Christ, and given us a foretaste of your heavenly banquet. We are your children, and yours is the glory, now and forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.